Welcome to the First Dan Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, we are back with another episode. It is Preview Friday. And as you guys can tell, I am by myself for this one. Logan could not make it for this episode. So I'm flying solo here. We're actually filming right after that Chiefs-Chargers game. We're going to save our reaction, though, for that one for the Monday episode. Today's episode, we are solely previewing the college games that are coming up on Saturday and our Sunday games for the NFL. We're also going to, of course, preview Monday Night Football. I want to start in the college ranks, though. You know, last week, college football, we saw some great, great upsets. Could we see some great, great upsets this week? I want to go through some of the games that I think could be upsets this weekend. You know, talk a little bit. Of course, we've got to preview our guys, the Syracuse Orange. Um, I know Logan is riding pretty heavily for Wake Forest this year. I'm telling you, though, Syracuse is going to be a really good football team this year. And they play Purdue at home. I like Syracuse to beat Purdue. I know Aiden O'Connell, the Purdue quarterback, has looked pretty good. But I like Syracuse pretty handily in that one. Wake Forest, you know, like I said, Logan, that's his team this year. Wake Forest gets a Liberty at home. We do expect Wake Forest to win that one because we expect here at the First Hand Football Show that Wake Forest is going to make the college football playoff this year. Therefore, Wake Forest better beat Liberty this weekend. Looking at a good ranked opponent matchup, we got BYU traveling to Eugene to take on the Oregon Ducks. That is BYU, the 12th ranked Cougars, going to Oregon to play the 25 ranked Oregon Ducks. The reason I think this one could be interesting, Oregon's back in the top 25, and I'm not really sure why, because after Oregon struggled so mightily with Georgia, I thought it showed that Oregon was not that great of a team this year. I think maybe Oregon's getting some love just based off the name and the fact that they have a big-name quarterback in the Auburn transfer, Bo Nix, there. I like BYU pretty handily in this game. I know Oregon's three-and-a-half-point favorites right now. If you're a betting person, I would take BYU in that game. The reason being is BYU's coming off a huge win beating number, at the time, the number nine ranked Baylor Bears last week. And BYU did that without their top two wide receivers and by missing two game one in kicks. I actually like BYU pretty handily in this one. If we're talking about upsets, how about we look at that Ole Miss-Georgia Tech game? I know Ole Miss is favored by 17 points, but they're going on the road to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech through the first three quarters of that Clemson game actually looked really good. So uh, don't be surprised to see Georgia Tech make that a game. Another potential upset, if you want to call it that, it would be Penn State, the number 22 team in the country, going to Jordan-Hare to take on the Auburn Tigers. I, I like Auburn to win that game outright. I'm not in love with this Penn State football team. They barely beat Purdue on the road this year, and I am just I don't trust Sean Clifford, the Penn State quarterback, whatsoever. So actually give me Auburn to win that one outright. Looking at some other games, you know, we, I, I never thought I would talk about Kansas football on this show, but Kansas is 2-0. They beat West Virginia in overtime last week. Kansas now travels to Houston to take on the Cougars. I got to roll with the Kansas hype train. Give me Kansas to win that game. Another team I never thought I'd talk about is Rutgers. Rutgers football is 2-0. They play Temple. I expect Rutgers to beat Temple, and I think what I'm shocked about is that would put Rutgers at 3-0 and halfway to a bowl game. If Greg Schiano could get Rutgers to a bowl game again, we might as well build a stadium a statue outside the stadium for Greg Schiano. Maybe just rename the entire stadium after Greg Schiano. So hats off to what he is doing at Rutgers there. 
Looking at Ohio State, they play Toledo. Not much to say. I did have someone try to argue, not really argue, but maybe just tell me that Toledo outside chance with the top five defense in the country. There's no outside chance that Toledo is beating Ohio State. It is great that Toledo has a great defense. They don't have the offense to do anything against Ohio State. But another upset I wanted to point out to you guys that I am calling this weekend is NC State. NC State is ranked 16th in the country. They're hosting Texas Tech at home. I've got Texas Tech winning this game. NC State's favored by 10 points. I, I'm i not a big better, but I might have to drive to the West Virginia border to place a bet on this one because I got Texas Tech winning this game. Texas Tech coming off the upset against Houston, who was ranked 25th in the country at the time. I like Texas Tech to win this one outright as well. They have that air raid offense that has served them so well in the past with guys like Graham Harrell when they had Michael Crabtree as well. Uh, I like Texas Tech to win this game outright. Another game that I you know, I see as an upset, in my opinion, is the number 11th ranked Michigan State Spartans traveling to Washington to take on the Washington Huskies. I, I think Washington wins this game, and so does Vegas. Vegas actually has Washington as a three-point favorite right now, which is shocking when you think the 11th ranked team in the country being an underdog against an unranked team. But I see it that way too. I see Washington beating Michigan State. We got Maryland and SMU. I, the reason I, I bring that game up is because Maryland is one of those teams every year they talk about it. We talk about the fact that they have Talia Tugavailoa at quarterback. who He's thrown for 681 yards and only thrown 14 incompletions all season. So he's been very impressive this year. But they're finally getting an opponent that we actually know who the team is. SMU is a decent program there. This will kind of be a measuring stick for what is Maryland going to look like this year. Can they be? Can they cause any problems in the Big Ten at all? Texas is getting a tune-up game against UTSA. Texas had lost to Alabama by one point last week and finds themselves in the top 25 now. Texas checks in at 21st in the country. The reason I point out this Texas game is because Quinn Ewers is not playing. He, of course, got hurt in the Alabama game, so they're going with Hudson Card in UTSA. Well, people are saying, well, yeah, you know, Texas should beat the Roadrunners pretty easy. UTSA played Houston pretty tough in week one. It took, I believe, three overtimes for Houston to finally dispatch UT- UTSA and only by two points. So don't sleep on the Roadrunners there in San Antonio to give Texas a little bit of a game. We've been hearing for so long that the U is back, that Mario Cristobal has got Miami back where it needs to be. Well, the Miami Hurricanes are traveling to College Station at 9 p.m. on ESPN to take on Texas A&M. If you want a measuring stick of what is Miami football, they've got to beat Texas A&M, and I don't think they're going to be able to get it done. I think Texas A&M is going to be hungry. I think Texas A&M is going to be embarrassed after losing to App State at home last weekend. I've got Texas A&M winning that game. Looking at some of the other games, I've, I've been mightily impressed with USC's offense this year. They get a tune-up game with Fresno State. And the reason I say I've been mightily impressed, look at the transfers. Look at the guys they brought in. Caleb Williams at quarterback. Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from Pitt. Jordan Addison has 12 catches this year for 226 yards. 12 catches for 226 yards is crazy. I will say, Fresno State has an offense. Their quarterback in two games has thrown for 737 yards. So, While I expect SC to win this game, this could be an offense that can hang with USC because one thing we've seen from USC is defensively they've not looked that great. You can move the football on them. Arizona is – why are we talking about Arizona football? That that was – 
you know, when I was looking at the games, I said, I'm going to actually talk about Arizona football. And this is what's crazy to me. I'm talking about Arizona football because I think they're going to be an FBS team who loses to an FCS team this weekend. You don't see it very often, but Arizona scheduled North Dakota State, who is the powerhouse of the FCS. Give me North Dakota State to beat Arizona pretty handily, and that's why we're talking about Arizona football this weekend is because I think they're going to embarrass themselves against North Dakota State. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the college ranks because, folks, it's week three. And in week three, we get a lot of bad games. We get Louisiana Monroe against Alabama. We get Georgia playing South Carolina, which you're, I know you're going to tell me, well, that's a, you know, that's a conference opponent. The only thing that scares me with South Carolina is Spencer Rattler. And by scares, I mean it might be 40 to 10 instead of 50 to 0. I expect Georgia to handle South Carolina pretty easily. And then we get Michigan against UConn. And the reason I point out Michigan and UConn is because Jim Harbaugh, he must know that his team is not that good this year because the non-conference schedule is abysmal. You played Colorado State, you played Hawaii, and now you're going to give us UConn. I saw a poll last week of the bottom 25 teams in the country, the 25 worst teams in America. Three of those 25 teams are the first three teams Michigan scheduled this year. So if that doesn't tell you how bad Jim Harbaugh thinks his own team is, I don't know what will. That's all the time I'm going to spend on the college ranks. Let's move on to the NFL where we are going to spend a little more time because, folks, there's going to be some good NFL games this weekend. I'm actually going to predict them for you. You know, like I said, we're filming after that Chiefs-Chargers game, so we're not going to predict that game for you. But we are going to start in the 1 o'clock window with the Jets and the Browns. The Browns, of course, 1-0 after a huge win against the Panthers. I have them getting to 2-0. I told you guys, I think they're going 6-5 with Brissett at the helm. This is a win I think they have to get at home. The Jets have Joe Flacco at quarterback. I think the Browns get this one done. The Lions against the Washington Commanders. This is actually one where I think the Lions right the ship. I expect the Lions to actually win this game. You know, they were actually very competitive in that week one game against the Eagles. They only lost 38-35. The offense actually looked pretty impressive. Jared Goff, I know only threw for 215 yards, but he had two touchdowns. And DeAndre Swift rushed for 144 yards on 15 carries. Amon Ross St. Brown picked up right where he left off last year. I really like this Lions offense, and I just don't trust Carson Wentz. You know, I know Wentz had four TDs, threw for over 300 yards, but he also threw two interceptions, and the Jaguars nearly came back on the commander. So I really do like this Lions team. I think they're going to be a competitive team. I think they're going to have a lot of fight, and I think they're going to win this game. I expect the Lions to beat the Commanders. Saints and Buccaneers, I will tell you, I know the Buccaneers beat the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. I know the defense looked really impressive. I just don't trust the Buccaneers. I don't trust that offensive line. I was not impressed with the offense. I'm not saying I trust the Saints because the Saints barely beat the Falcons and Jameis Winston still is their quarterback. But give me the Saints to win this game. I like the Saints over the Falcons. Winston took care of the football for the most part. 269 yards of the air, two touchdowns, no picks. Give me the Saints to beat the Buccaneers on Sunday. Giants and Panthers. I This one is kind of a coin flip for me. I was really impressed with the Giants getting the win against the Titans week one. I know they were gifted it because Randy Bullock missed that kick at the end for the Titans. But I, the reason I liked it was because Brian Dayball went for the win there. He went for two instead of kicking the extra point and going for overtime. 
And I think that's going to carry over into week two. I think Dayball's guys are going to respect him. I think they're going to know that the coach believes in them. And I just wonder where are the Panthers out after falling short on the comeback, after getting beat on a 58-yard field goal by Cade York and the Browns. I like the Giants to win this one. I know my co-host Logan has Daniel Jones earning a second contract this year in New York. And if he starts out 2-0, and he's going to be well on his way to that second contract. we got the Patriots taking on the Steelers. As a Patriots fan, this one hurts me. Because Mac Jones is out with an illness in this game, so Mac Jones will not play. That more than likely means that I'm going to have to suffer through watching Brian Hoyer start. Because I doubt Bailey Zappi is starting at quarterback, the rookie fourth-round pick out of Western Kentucky. So I have to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know that the Steelers are banged up. They lose J.J. Watt for at least four weeks since he was placed on the IR with that pectoral injury. But still, give me the Steelers to beat the Patriots because the Patriots offense already looked terrible. You take Mac Jones away and insert Brian Hoyer, it's going to look that much worse. So the Steelers, I do have them winning that game. Colts and Jaguars. I would like to think this will be an easy win for the Colts, but I would have liked to have thought that the Texans would have been an easy win for the Colts. And instead, the Texans and Colts tied last week at 20. The Texans' defense was a little bit of a disappointment. I know they only gave up 20 points, but it was just how they gave up those 20 points that I didn't necessarily like. If you look at the Colts' offense, Matt Ryan threw for over 350 yards. Jonathan Taylor had 31 carries for 161 yards and a touchdown. And Michael Pittman Jr. had 9 catches for 121 yards and a touchdown. So the offense produced... It just was the defense that let him down. If I look at the Jaguars, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he had a touchdown and a pick. But Christian Kirk is earning that money. Six catches, 117 yards. I'm going to pick the Colts to win this game, but I expect the Jaguars to actually keep it pretty close. I think the Jaguars are already showing you they're a better team than they were last year under Urban Meyer. Moving on, we got the Dolphins and the Ravens. I got the Dolphins winning this one. I told you guys I have the Dolphins winning the AFC East this year. And so far, they've shown me that, that, you know, they're well on the way. The defense looked really good, albeit against a really bad offense in New England last week. And I just was not impressed. I know Baltimore beat the Jets, and I know they beat them pretty handily, 24-9. I just didn't like a lot of what I saw on tape from the Ravens. And I know Tua is not great, but the pieces around him are great. You're going to hear me say that a lot this year. Tua doesn't have to be great with the great pieces that are around him. He just needs to be good enough. He needs to take care of the football and not do anything crazy. And that's exactly what he did, going 23 of 33 for 270 yards last week. So give me the Dolphins to win that one. We got the Rams and the Falcons, two teams that are 0-1. This moves us into the 4 o'clock window for the NFL on Sunday. I got the Rams bouncing back. But I'm going to tell you again, I don't feel confident about that pick, which seems crazy. The defending Super Bowl champs, I should feel very confident when they're playing a team that's quarterbacked by Marcus Mariota. But I saw a lot that worries me with this Rams team. I saw a Matthew Stafford last week who looked very tentative when throwing the football. I saw a Matthew Stafford who only trusted Cooper Cup. And that worries me because he's got other weapons. He's got Allen Robinson. And I I need him to throw the football to Allen Robinson this week. Maybe selfishly because I have Allen Robinson on my fantasy team. And I've been banging the drum that Allen Robinson's going to be a great fantasy asset this year. So I need Stafford to realize Robinson is an open target. And I need that Rams offensive line to be better. You know, I know Andrew Whitworth retired in the offseason. I know you got a new left tackle in Joe Noteboom. But the Rams offensive line was a bit abysmal this past season. This, you know, this past week, and I, we need to see more from them. From the Falcons, they looked pretty good. You know, they played the Saints to a close one. They lost by a point. 
I don't expect the Falcons to be great this year, but I, I do think the Falcons will be competitive. I do like what Mariota brings to them kind of from a rushing standpoint. You know, and he did. He took care of the football. No interceptions. He did only throw for 215 yards. You know, their first-round pick, Drake London, had five catches for 74 yards, a good start to an NFL career. And Cordero Patterson picked up where he left off. Cordero Patterson, the former wide receiver, kind of kick-slash-punt returner who's bounced around the league with the Bears, the Vikings, the Patriots. He's found a home here in Atlanta at running back. He had 22 carries for 120 yards. He's kind of reinvented himself and in a good way. I think he could maybe present a little bit of problems. Unfortunately, I think the one part of the Rams team that is good is that defensive front, so I don't think the Falcons are going to be able to run the football with much success. Give me the Rams to win that game. Seahawks and 49ers. Who would have thought that coming into this game the Seahawks would be 1-0 and the 49ers would be 0-1? The 49ers with the surprise loss this past weekend to the Bears and the Seahawks. Going into Monday Night Football and beating Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. You know, Geno Smith looked really good. I don't know that Geno Smith can do that two weeks in a row. I think maybe Geno was a little motivated. On top of that, the Seahawks defense does lose Jamal Adams. He's done for the year. He tore his quad, so he is out for the entire season. Look for that to hurt them a little bit. They'll probably go to more of a traditional two-high safety. When Adams was healthy, they were playing a lot of three-safety so they could blitz Jamal Adams more. So that's going to change the entire complex of the defense. On top of that, I think the 49ers are going to do more this week. Obviously, the weather that they encountered in Chicago was a bit rough, kind of hard to you know, do a lot with Trey Lance. I think the 49ers are going to try and implement more of a game plan that helps you know Trey Lance, plays more to his style, and helps him look a little better because there's a lot of questions swirling around that 49ers team and is Trey Lance the guy or do they maybe need to look at bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back in so I expect the 49ers to rebound I also expect that 49er defensive front led by Nick Bosa to be able to give Geno Smith a little more fits than what Bradley Chubb and the Broncos did last week so give me the 49ers to win that game the Bengals are 0-1 and they're playing the 0-1 Dallas Cowboys and the reason this one to me is a no-brainer is because Dak Prescott is out for six to eight weeks after undergoing hand surgery. So that tells us right now Cooper Rush is slated to start for the Cowboys. Joe Burrow and his team have to get right this week. They have to get this win because if you're looking to build off of what you did last year going to the Super Bowl, you have to win games like this, especially given how they lost to the Steelers last week in overtime. The Texans and Broncos. The Texans, of course, we talked about tied with the Colts last week, and the Broncos lost to the Seahawks. Kind of two surprises. I tell you what, Davis Mills, I've talked about him a lot. I said he was probably the second best rookie quarterback out of last year's class, a class that included guys like Trevor Lawrence at number one overall, Zach Wilson at number two overall, and then, of course, Trey Lance as well. But I think Davis Mills has proven himself. He went in the third round, you know, a guy who didn't start a lot at Stanford but goes in the third round and has played pretty well, has shown maybe the Houston Texans have something in him. Last week he went 23-37 for 240 yards and two touchdowns. And the big thing here is he took care of the football. No interceptions. Now the Texans the Texans have no running game whatsoever. Rex Burkhead led them in rushing yards last week with 14 carries for 40 yards. So their running attack isn't going to scare you. And that's really what I think does Houston in. Davis Mills is a nice enough quarterback. He's got a couple weapons to throw the football to in Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins at wide receiver. 
but I just don't think he has a running game whatsoever. And I think that's why the Broncos get the win against the Texans. The Raiders and Cardinals both 0-1 as well. The Cardinals got absolutely decimated by the Chiefs in Week 1. Kyler Murray really struggled in that game. Did not look good whatsoever. Failed to actually throw for 200 yards. He only threw for 193 yards last week. Really did not earn that big contract, in my opinion. And then the Raiders, who they played the Chargers tough, but really just could not overcome a really poor performance by Derek Carr. So this was really a game of two big marquee quarterbacks who struggled mightily in week one. And I expect Derek Carr to actually you know, bounce back really nicely. I'm not sold on Kyler Murray. I felt the Cardinals paid him a year too early. And I really felt that way after his playoff performance against the Rams last year, where he came out and just looked like the moment was too big for him, really. It looked like he was pressing, and it looked like he was doing too much. And I felt that way again watching him last week. I think Derek Carr, he pressed at times, but this is something we know Derek Carr does. And part of why Derek Carr does it is because his offensive line is terrible outside of his left tackle, Colton Miller. I expect the Ram, the Raiders to bounce back, and I expect the Raiders to get the win against the Cardinals. The Cardinals really don't have a defense, and their secondary is the worst part of their defense. And Devontae Adams, although the Raiders lost, he had a really nice game for them last week against the Chargers, and I expect him to have a great game against the Cardinals and the Raiders to get the win. Sunday night football, we got the Packers and the Bears. You know, a divisional rivalry that I did not think would be the Bears at 1-0 and the Packers at 0-1. The Packers' offense looked terrible. It looked absolutely terrible. Aaron Rodgers failed to throw for a touchdown. They only scored seven points against the Vikings last week. And the Bears, you know, they won an ugly game. They won a game that was really, really ugly against the 49ers in some terrible weather. Justin Fields did not look good, but he did enough to win the game, and that's important. I don't need Justin Fields to look good every week. I don't expect Justin Fields to look good every week. I know that there's going to be growing pains with him because he has no talent at wide receiver. He's throwing to Darnell Mooney, who is maybe a wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two in the NFL. But Darnell Mooney is clearly number one on the depth chart for the Chicago Bears at wide receiver because the guys behind him are guys like Equinamius St. Brown and Dante Pettis, guys who were written off by the 49ers and Packers, respectively. So I, 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 do, I know Justin Fields has no one to throw the football to. I knew that about Aaron Rodgers, but I expected Aaron Rodgers to be able to compensate and overcome that. And he's got a couple guys. He's got Randall Cobb. He's got Alan Lazard. You know, I know Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson, the rookie, are not great players, but still I expected Aaron Rodgers to look a little better. I do expect the Packers to bounce back. I expect the Packers to win at home on Sunday Night Football. I expect Justin Fields to look a little better, but I, I just don't believe that an Aaron Rodgers quarterback team is going to start the year 0-2, losing to the Vikings and Bears. I, I just don't see that happening. Monday Night Football, we get a doubleheader. We get the Titans and the Bills, and we get the Vikings and the Eagles. We're going to start with the Titans and the Bills because it's probably the easier of the two to cover, and that's because the Bills are going to win this game. For me, it's simple. The Titans are quarterbacked by Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Tannehill cannot quarterback a team to anything right now. Ryan Tannehill might get you to the playoffs. You might slide into the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill, but that's about it. After watching them play against the Giants, I really don't trust the Titans at all this year. I felt that way after they traded away A.J. Brown. They just don't have much at wide receiver. Their first-round pick, Traylon Burks, who I was high on coming out of Arkansas, has mightily disappointed. So give me the Bills. Josh Allen, you know, my co-host Logan told you the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl and Josh Allen's going to win MVP. And then week one against the Rams, 
they looked really good on that. I know Josh Allen threw two interceptions, but at times he looked unstoppable, particularly running the football. Josh Allen is a threat running the football. I really like the Bills to win this game. The Eagles and Vikings close out the week for us. They're the late game on Monday Night Football. And this one is tough. The Vikings week one looked really good against the Green Bay Packers. You know, Kirk Cousins, I talked about how he's the captain of mediocre. But he looked really good, and Justin Jefferson looked elite. And I said on last episode that I think Justin Jefferson reclaimed or claimed, however you want to word it, the top wide receiver spot in the NFL. I think it's his for the taking right now. I think he's the guy, and I know there's guys like Jamar Chase in Cincinnati putting up just as good of numbers. I just think Justin Jefferson is a notch above right now. But then you got the Eagles, and you got Jalen Hurts and the running threat he brings, and he looked really good week one against the Detroit Lions. And the Philadelphia Eagles have their own great wide receiver tandem. You know, in Minnesota, they have the one-two punch of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Well, in Philadelphia, they have the one-two punch of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and then they follow that up with Dallas Goddard at tight end. So I really do like the weapons that these quarterbacks have to throw to in this game. I think what it boils down to is which defense do I trust more? And I'm going to have to say I trust, and I can't believe I'm saying it, I trust the Minnesota Vikings defense more. I didn't like what I saw out of Philly's defense last week. They got up 35 points to the Detroit Lions, a Detroit Lion team that's quarterbacked by Jared Goff, and they let DeAndre Swift run all over them. Well, if you thought it was going to get any easier, this week Minnesota's coming in with Dalvin Cook at running back. So I, I, I do like Minnesota's ability to run the football in this game, and I like Minnesota's defense. You know, they brought in Zadarius Smith in the offseason from Green Bay. He was obviously extra motivated playing his former team last week, but I expect that motivation to continue because I think he's on a mission this year to show that he's still one of the elite pass rushers in the NFL. They have Daniil Hunter opposite him. The secondary, it's still a work in progress, but it looked good last week, and I think that they can continue to build off it. And the big thing with Minnesota is I think they have a play caller in their new head coach, Kevin O'Connell. O'Connell, of course, was a former NFL quarterback himself, spending a brief moment with the New England Patriots, but he got his coaching start with Sean McVay out there in L.A. with the Rams, and you can see it. He's more innovative in his play calling than Mike Zimmer ever was, and I just think he helps this offense a ton He allows this offense to be more creative and utilize the weapons they have. I like the Vikings to beat the Eagles this week. I wanted to talk to you guys too as well. You know, we've previewed the big college games. We've previewed the big NFL games. But the other thing I wanted to preview with you guys, because we talk about it. We are a podcast for the small schools. And I want to talk a little bit about the small schools that are in our area, the small college schools that are in our area and that is, for us folks, that is the OAC. The OAC is a Division Three conference that it, it's got some great football. You know, we've got the likes of Mount Union, Heidelberg, both top 25 college football programs here in the OAC. And this weekend is no exception, you know. We, of course, have worked closely with Otterbein University interviewing their offensive coordinator. Otterbein takes on Wilmington this weekend at Wilmington. Otterbein coming off a lost last week against Heidelberg, who at the time was ranked 24th in the country. Heidelberg beat them 34-7. So look for Otterbein to try and rebound this week against Wilmington. Wilmington is kind of a program who's been, you know, down for a few years, but is a team that does have some talent. So, you know, Otterbein not going to be, you know, just expected to roll in there and just get an easy W. Marietta, another program we have worked closely with. 
They draw the vaunted Mount Union Purple Raiders. Mount Union is at home against Marietta this weekend. Marietta, of course, had the huge win in week one against Dubuque, the University of Dubuque, which is in Iowa. They beat them 14-13. to Dubuque missed an 18-yard field goal, which sealed the win for Marietta. And on top of that, Drake Nurberger, Marietta's linebacker, had five sacks in that game. A crazy amount of sacks for them to get that 14-13 win against Dubuque. But they get Mar- they get Mount Union. Mount Union, of course, has looked really good this year. You know, they beat up on Defiance Week 1, so it's not going to be an easy game. You know, those were just a couple of the games we wanted to preview for you guys. We're going to spotlight a couple OAC games every week, just kind of some games that we're keeping an eye on, some programs that we have worked with in the past. Of course, the Division II school we've worked with a couple times, Wheeling University in West Virginia. They started the year off 1-0. Last week, though, they did run into Notre Dame College there out of the Cleveland area. They did lose that game. But I tell you what, they have been impressive. You know, week one, they beat Seton Hill 25-11. You know, last week, Notre Dame College is the number 21 team in the country. And that was a game that was at home for Notre Dame College. And Wheeling played them tough. Wheeling played them to a 14-27 to score, so it wasn't a blowout. That's a huge thing for a young program like Wheeling University. You know, this weekend, they're going to be at Alderson Brodus. Let's see if they can get the win there. You know, I've been really impressed with Wheeling's running game this year. You know, they have got some crazy good running backs and just a really good overall rushing attack, you know. If you look at the stats last week, I'm pulling them up here for you guys because I, I was highly impressed with what they did on the ground last week. You know, they had a 74-yard touchdown run from Eli Young, who huge, you know, run. I believe that was actually a program record for longest touchdown run ever. So, you know, those are the types of things. Obviously, you know, we've had their running back coach on. We expect to have him on again. You know, we want to highlight these programs. We want to show you guys like we talk about. It's not all about the big schools. There's a lot of talent at these small schools. And we also want to tell you guys, you know, there's small schools nearby all of us. we got to go out and see these programs because there's a lot of talent. We're going to continue to pump out the interviews as well. We've got some big ones coming up. Some guys who are playing pro ball in Europe as well as other countries. We've got some leagues like the Fan Controlled Football League we're going to be focusing on. Guys like Johnny Manziel have played in that league. And we're going to continue to highlight upcoming XFL prospects. You know, the XFL was purchased by The Rock. They're coming out in 2023 with their reestablished, revamped league. And we want to highlight some of these prospects. Guys that their college careers are over, but they're still looking to keep the pro career alive. And we're going to continue to highlight them. But that's all we got for you guys this week. Like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. But until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one. Thank you.